Hello, welcome to the second episode of Debugging Life with Amy Zhu and Abraham Chen. I bet you guys were surprised that we have a second episode, but it's true. We've decided that it was worth our time and investment from all the great feedback that we've gotten. Exactly. And we're sitting here now in my apartment in Berkeley. It's July 14th. And um, Abraham has just flown in from New York last night and we decided to record a recording in person. Yeah, we, we put a lot of effort into this podcast for you guys. In my short time here, we're going to try to do an in-person one because the last one is completely remote. Yeah, and let's get right into our second episode. Let's go. All right, our second um Based on the feedback and the conversation that we had with our friends um, after they had listened to our first episode, we decided that our second episode's topic would be being more open-minded in the decisions that we make in the our daily activities. Yep, I, I think being op- more open-minded applies to a lot of things, but one part that we've really seen this affect us immediately was after doing the podcast episode one, we both became a little more self-aware of the way we approach conversations. And I, that makes us a little bit more open-minded. And in, as a result, I feel like I've had more meaningful conversations in the last week and a half. What about you? Yeah, same here. I now make a more conscious effort to talk to people I normally wouldn't talk to because I realized that before I was more closed off. Um, when I met someone new or usually when I sit in um, like Ubers or Lyfts, I try to not make conversation and just look down on my phone or sleep. But uh, during the past week, I've had really great conversations. I've been more open to asking them about their day. What do they do, et cetera. Yeah. Would you care to give one of those examples? I'd love to hear it too. Uh, it was just one day when I was Ubering from the South Bay into work. Um, It was a very long drive. I was planning to sleep in the car, but the driver was extremely nice and sweet. And then she was telling me about all her random stories of just learning about people's life as a Lyft driver. And she also has a works for a different app that drives kids to their practices and schools. And um, she says that the relationships that she built through that was phenomenal because one kid once she had been driving her for around six months, but all of a sudden she the app had assigned her to a different kid. But then um, like a couple months after she was off um, that case, she was put back on due to an accident. And when the kids saw her again, she just ran into her and just started crying because she said, I thought I was never going to see you again. So just those stories that you never would hear um, doing with our normal circles of college friends and tech industry, it's very heartwarming and interesting. Wow, yeah. I, you took it in a way of creating a conversation with a stranger that was meaningful. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. For me, I actually was able to open up better conversations with people that I saw on a daily basis. And my example is last week, I went out to lunch with some of the, the interns at my company. And instead of just talking about the usual lunch conversation, about what kind of work we were doing at work was or how good the food was here, et cetera. Uh, 10 minutes in, I tried to probe a little bit more. I'd been listening to other podcasts, daily news, trying to get more involved and to better understand this whole environment. 
So I brought that up. And the top topic of the day happened to be something very international. So I asked about everybody's views. And our group, luckily enough, was also very diverse. People from Europe, Asia, America. And we were able to share uh, how our different lifestyles were. Um, and you really, I, le- I learned a lot that day about how you know, sending money works differently from place to place, a different culture, how we look at education and how we look at maybe what something might be rude in the United States might be like viewed as very common in another place and how the cultural context actually makes a huge difference. And hearing it firsthand from people from there, you take away a lot that way. And especially because it's people that you work with on a daily basis. I trust them. It's really cool to be able to hear their perspective but that conversation wouldn't have arose, like wouldn't have come if you didn't really consider pressing just that little bit more. And they were all super eager to talk. It's just that someone needed to push in the right direction a little bit. I think just us listening to other podcasts about what's going on in the world allows us to propose those questions that we wouldn't have if we didn't listen to the like Wall Street Journal or the Daily News. Yeah, people have a lot to give. It's just you have to go fishing for it sometimes. And you mentioned something um, that I thought was really interesting, which is that people don't always want to have meaningful conversations right off the bat, right? You need to be able to build up a sense of trust and also a little bit of interest and investment to begin those conversations. Yeah, I actually got those feedback from my friends who were who listened to our first episode and they mentioned that a lot of times they can't start meaningful conversations, even with people they think they would enjoy being friends with because they don't have a lot of contact with them. And it takes a while for some people to ease into the conversation and to be able to share their deeper thoughts. That's true. That's definitely true. Mm-hmm. Along the lines of that, it's really important and something I realized in college to have friends who you interact with uh, in a collaborative way. What I mean by that is whether it's a school project, whether it's creating a podcast or going on a trip together, having some shared experiences, good or bad, and oftentimes bad, might even lead to more meaningful conversations, drives you to have a comfort level with the person that deepens the relationship, creates more investment for you in the conversation, and maybe that leads to better conversation overall. How does that tie into... Uh, What was I going to say? We can cut this. Yeah, I know, but... uh, My water break. I wanted to... Say something about open-minded. Hmm. Um, you can say it's harder to be open-minded. Uh, it's... No, I want to ask a question. I forgot what question I wanted to ask. What were you saying? I was saying that it, it's easy. It's, it's not really open-mindedness, though, if it's coming from a friend. It's open-minded if it's coming from a, a stranger in your allowing them to talk, even though you have no context. Mm-hmm. So are we saying that there are basically two ways to 
have a meaningful conversation. First is if you go through uh, collaborative projects or experiences with people you spend a lot of time with. And there is also another option of becoming more open-minded when you meet a stranger. Even if you think the stranger doesn't really have anything to do with what you want to do in the future, your profession or your interests. Definitely. Being more open-minded with a stranger is more difficult, I would say. You have to, one, be willing to put yourself out there, not knowing exactly what they're going to give you as a give you back. You don't know where the conversation might lead. Or even if that person has, it has to be a shared sense of interest. Whereas with friends that you've worked with, colleagues, people that you've worked on projects with, I'd say it's less keeping an open mind and more uh, just trying to understand that person. And oftentimes you find yourself working with people that you get along with more. So in that sense, it's really reinforcing some of the things you say, perhaps. With a stranger, you'd never know what you're going to get. And that's where this podcast has helped me, is that normally when I go out to a plane, I don't actually want to talk to anybody. I want to watch my movies and get off. But uh, you always have that smallest talk in the beginning before you take off. And traditionally, I would just let that go and continue on. But even this time coming to San Francisco, I was able to talk with one of the persons sitting next to me. Uh, and we had a good conversation about her nonprofit, the work that she was doing. And she talked about some of her business struggles, uh, which was donating alpacas and cows to people in need. <laughs> no, it sounds like a joke, but it helps out people in rural areas. Yeah. And her goal was to you know, bring the world closer together in a time where we're so divided. We ended up talking about that and more political things down the road. But old me would never have had this conversation had I not been open to the idea of someone being able to engage me in such a conversation. I would have just preferred taking the easy route and sleeping or watching a movie on the train ride. And you, you also mentioned that that conversation led to you proposing that you would connect your school organization with her, what she's trying to do, because you also work in a nonprofit organization. That got me to think that this is, or this is what I think should be the true form of networking, rather than you knowing what someone's position is, what they want to do in the future, and purposely trying to approach them and talk to them. But by keeping an open mind in your daily life and just talking to random people, you never know what that would lead to. That's great. You hit just on the fact, I never even thought about it that way. <laughs> this is something that is great. This is like open-mindedness in the conversation that we're having. Yeah. You said that networking, the purpose of networking should be to discover new things rather than to go in and reconfirm what you already know. That's the issue a lot of times I feel like with school or career networking, you go into a place and you expect to get certain information or for them to help you further an idea that you already own. But the beauty of networking with done right, I would say with an open mind is that you can find places that you never have thought about. And this, isn't that the point to pick someone's brains to see at what point can you make a connection? Exactly. Because if you're constantly trying to approach the same people, the same type of people, then you'll never be able to expose yourself to new thinking, to new thought processes, to people from different backgrounds, to people doing different things, which I believe is 
should be the catalyst to self-development, to growing as a professional, right. just as an individual. Right, right. That's a huge benefit to <laughs> talking with strangers with no context. You have nothing, you have no preconceived notions going in, uh, aside from like physical bias, and mm-hmm. you can just take the conversation anywhere, which is interesting. However, with people that you do know, that makes it a little difficult. But now that we've talked about this, I think there's definitely a way to be more aware of the conversations having with your friends and to not fall into a regular routine and to challenge yourselves to quiz them for things that that might be new. And just reflecting back on what I mentioned in the first example, I had been working with these friends and interns for the past five weeks, but I would have never asked about you know their cultural and home life experiences when we are such a diverse group there that's something we're really fortunate to have and i never thought about it in that sense well i think what career diversity teaches you is different ways of thought but there's so much more that goes beyond that that's like cultural diversity that you can learn a lot from exactly and when when people work um at their company what they the way they think the way they make their decisions is largely influenced by their experience and, and their background and getting to know that will also help you work with them better yeah and be a better teammate yeah now that we're talking about this another and the only other airplane conversation that i've ever had in my life springs to mind and to give you a little bit of background before i would always think that you you go where you want to go if you work hard enough. And one day I sat on a plane. This was many years ago, actually. And I remember this conversation. I sat down next to a truck driver. Uh-huh. And it was completely his will that continued the conversation. I was just became a listener. But I learned so much from that conversation. I was, like, asking why he was a truck driver. And he explained to me, like, how he didn't have any resources growing up. And then when he hit that time, he didn't get to college because it he wasn't able to afford it. And then he became a truck driver to just be able to support himself. Mm-hmm. And that he made a kind of a career out of that. Uh, and he he eventually went from just driving trucks to owning a few trucks and having helping other people. Um, and his whole motto was, and he talked so much, I, I almost like died because he, just, he was just a spew of knowledge. <laughs> but his motto was that I have all the information I have in my head is useless unless I can get it out there and to tell people about it, which is why he was so motivated to continue talking to me, a complete stranger. Mm-hmm. So two things about that. One, I think that's what motivates me to be doing a podcast like this. And two, uh, before meeting him, I would have thought that if you were a truck driver and you didn't like it as much as you did, you had every right to go and change it. But after hearing his story, and I'm sorry for getting some of the context, I have started realizing how difficult it would be for him to get out of the industry, especially when He's finally finding a foothold. So it kind of kind of pulled him in more and he continued down that line, mm-hmm. even though it may not be his passion necessarily, but he, it turned out well from him and he's still finding a way to express that. I think that also ties into how us college students are planning for our careers. And like I mentioned during the last podcast, like, I had a very set career path for myself coming into college. And that really limited the way that I approached what experiences I wanted to get out of college, what organizations I wanted to join. And um, I didn't really just uh, go into something without knowing where it would lead me. 
And I believe that's what the truck driver did. And mm -hmm. if he, like the first day that he was driving a truck, he probably didn't know that one day he would own a couple trucks and then he would own eventually maybe start the, his own company. Mm -hmm. And that also really just ties into being uh, more open about the decisions that we make in the present because we really don't know how the future would change and where the future would lead us. So how has that changed for you? Uh, this, this concept of thinking about the future in a very rigid way to maybe letting yourself go? I, I'm sure you have some thoughts on that. Yeah, this uh, came up during one of my conversations with my friends after she listened to the podcast. We both realized that we became a lot more present-oriented versus future-oriented because back in high school, our careers seemed so far away that um, we were just making decisions based on what we know, what we think we know about the future and what we think we want to do for our future. But now after we've been in the industry and done internships, taken classes that actually apply to what we want to do in the future, we are um, taking steps that are more grounded towards actually no we already started our career so on our career path and that made us more focused on the present of how it would influence of how it would help us learn and we might not necessarily know how this like a specific project that we're doing or an internship that we're doing would ultimately affect us to in order to achieve our career goal but we approach it with a learning mindset because we don't know if the skills that we're developing in this project would eventually help us or not yeah yeah do you have an example it sounds very interesting the way you you frame that but do you have an example of an instance where something was able to change your mind or change your perspective on what you wanted to do um, I would say, uh, I have several examples, but I don't know which one to pick. <laughs> Cut this up. Take anyone. And if you need a metric, maybe pick the one that you think might be more relatable to people that might help to understand it. So I would say one example would be a project that I worked on during my last internship. I went into the internship, I still had um, my mindset on going into the finance industry. So I told my manager that I really wanted projects focusing on the finance aspect of our department. So she gave me one that to analyze like the um, cost per user. So, so I, I was creating a financial model for that. But I also had other projects that involved um, just data analysis. Before that, I had never really considered 
data analysis to be part of my career because I was so focused on specifically finance. And um, the data was purely operational. So I, at first, when I first got the project, I was like, this is not really related to finance, but I'll still do it because it is part of my internship and maybe I'll get something out of it. But by the end, I realized that after go- doing actually doing that project and learning a new software for that project, I realized I really want to work with data you know, because I believe all business decisions should be supported by data. And it's not, data analysis is not pure number crunching. It's being able to dissect the data and pull information from it and and then look for solutions to solve any red flags that you see. And I feel like that's a really great learning experience for me because that really pivoted what I want to do in the future. Yeah, this is an interesting topic because you and me, I would say have very polarizing views on this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I would go through and not have any clue of what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes there'd be these pivotal moments where I would make a, a on the spot decision and that would can actually have massive implications moving forward. And I can only think of those now 21 years later <laughs> and think reflecting back I'd see how really impactful those moments were. So I can give a few examples. Yeah. One time was in high school. I com- had no idea what I wanted to do in high school whatsoever. But uh, we did have an econ team. I was like, oh, that's funny. Why, why would I ever do this? I was, <laughs> I was very, I think, science-focused, biology-focused. Uh-huh. And then one day, one of my friends goes up to me like, hey, you know, they're they're testing for like the econ team. Like, why would I do this? It seems stupid. But then a week later, it was like the day before, I'm like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll try it, right? And then I ended up, on the econ team, and I found the topics that we were discussing so interesting. Wait, wait, what does the econ team do? We compete uh, in micro, macro, and international. And there's like parts where you have to come up with like a presentation on like a current event. Okay. So you kind of just learn a lot about the kinds of analysis that goes into econ and what questions and what are the events that are caused by what is this like school of thought? Uh-huh. And at that time, you know, this was something that was vastly different from what I'd been currently working on, which is like very scientific, uh, dealing with like, yeah, but this was like dealing with society. And I found that very interesting. So that continued all the way, brought me all the way to Berkeley. And I came to that school because of econ. Uh-huh. And when I was selecting classes for freshman year, I had no idea. If you go to Berkeley, you'll realize that they don't help you <laughs> select classes. Yeah. And one of my friends suggested to me a CS class. I'm like, sure, why not? Uh-huh. So I took that and I enjoyed it so much that I was like, you know what? Let's take another one. I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh-huh. I just knew I came here for econ. And then I figured out this was really cool. So I went down that path. And that's that's what led me to my double major. Nothing planning ahead at all. It was on the whim signed up for an easy introduction CS class, loved it, loved the professor, and just went with it. And then this summer, I had been so engrossed in CS doing software engineering. You know, I I was at the kind of crossroads between, do I want to continue this full-time or do I want to explore something new? Mm -hmm. And again, almost on a whim, 
uh, I took a job that was product management and that wasn't computer science, although I didn't stray as far. And I went into it completely thinking like, this would be a cool experience, but engineering is safe. I'll go back to that. And it's been five weeks now. And I would say the, my perspective on everything has shifted a lot based on the people that I've talked to and the conversations that I had. And I'm really happy I took this opportunity to try it. So yeah, it's interesting because we all kind of went down our own paths. You have obviously a lot more pointed way of getting to things. And I think you're <laughs> shifting away from that. Yeah. Right. And I've just kind of been stumbling around in the dark. And when I find something, I refocus and I try to think long distance for it. But inevitably, that plan gets completely knocked over and I start anew again. I mean, it sounds like you've always kept an open mind to try new things, to uh, audition for the econ team, to take a CS class. But have you had any uh, experiences of trying new things that led you the wrong way? Hmm. That is an interesting thought. I don't usually consider uh, any direction necessary the wrong way, right. but I know it detracts uh, from your abilities. And what I mean by that is uh, in high school and even in college, doing a lot of things has always been interesting to me and just learning about them. But because you're learning about them, it's hard to really drive them forward, right? It's uh-huh. hard to be a really good engineer if you're not doing it full-time it's hard to be a really good musician if you're not playing music all the time. And by choosing this sort of take the punches as it goes, like let's, let's go with the, the wind kind of approach, I've sacrificed the expertise to be able to really hone in on something. And that for me is why I find it difficult to explore my passion because I haven't picked anything to go down deep enough so I'm, yeah. I think in that sense, that's why I'm able to be the way I am because nothing is so compelling to me that I would never leave it. So when something new and interesting comes up, I take that and I go down a completely different path. <laughs> so to answer your question, I don't regret anything, okay. I, but I do think that I could have made more of an impact for something had I just stuck with it. Do you think you found something that you're, you would want to stick with? No. No? No. <laughs> So you're just going to keep no. exploring, going everywhere. I'm going to keep exploring. Building is, out your spider web. We're gonna, I'm going to approach it with this new networking technique that Amy told us of <laughs> keeping an open mind. Wait, this just means you're going to become more and more open-minded. Right, right. I might, but we have a lot of time in our lives. And um, I guess it comes down to our goal of true. what I want to do. For me, being, not being bored is a priority. I feel you. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So regardless of not whether I find that true thing a year down the line or two years down the line, at least I think I'll be doing something new. That's what I can expect. Mm-hmm. At least you wouldn't be bored of it. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be shopping for shoes at work. I won't be shopping for <laughs> shoes at work to all the episode one viewers. Yeah. <laughs> so what about your your opinion on this now? So you said you transitioned from that to, to, to maybe realizing once you are in industry that that's changed your mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious if that's applied to other parts of your life as well, beyond just your career. If, if there's ever been a ch- point where your perspective has shift, shifted on something uh, and how that's changed, maybe college, maybe something else. Definitely. Before, I would always worry about um, the... Like if I'm in school, I will always worry about what tests I have coming up, what projects I have coming up, and do I have time to do 
these uh, fun activities and stuff like that. But now, I don't know if I'm just naturally an impulsive person <laughs> or uh, becoming like more present-oriented has changed me. But I will always just take random trips, even during the semester. Like this past semester, I randomly looked up tickets to fly to Boston. What? And it was pretty cheap, so I bought it. What? And then I just, I no, before I bought it, I asked my friend at Boston, I was like, hey, is it cool if I stay? And then she said, yeah. And then so I just bought the tickets and I flew out like the next week. And it was right before finals week. The high school me or like the beginning of college me would have never done that because I would be worrying about my grades, uh, how I'm going to perform in the final exams. So that definitely has changed for me. So you said you were... Are you, do you think you're an impulsive person? Uh, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of my friends will also say so. Don't do you, you not think so? I, I, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I'm an impulsive person for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, I you would... definitely are for setting up this podcast. <laughs> oh, this podcast was incredibly impulsive. Yeah. I'm curious though, you tied impulsivity with open-mindedness. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, it's, yeah. I think it's, willing to try new things and not really thinking ahead of what you're what you're gonna do would affect your future or say like we thought about doing this podcast and you immediately set everything up how to how we're gonna record it how we're gonna publish it and if I had not been like impulsive or (laughs) open-minded I would have just been like wait what are we really doing this I don't really want to do it because I don't know what I would get out of it. Yeah. But I kept an open mind and I tried it and we both realized that the we're getting a lot out of this, just being able to talk yep. our thoughts and having a set time uh, to talk about topics that we yeah. believe are meaningful. Having an audience to hold us accountable. Thank you, viewers. <laughs> but Thanks no, for all the feedback. Thank, yeah, the feedback is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I want to just go back on your your point about impulse impulse versus uh, open mindedness. Mm-hmm. I would agree, and I would think that commonly impulsiveness is not viewed as a positive thing. But if you were to phrase it as open mindedness, suddenly you have a different take on it. And I wonder where that distinction could lie, because some of my most impulsive decisions turned out to be very great, and some of my open minded decisions also as well. But if I were to think about the difference between them it's that impulse comes from something that you might have an idea of what you like when I ask you about the podcast you want to do it Mm -hmm. you impulsively said yes because maybe this is something you wanted to do open-mindedness seems to me more so about not having any clue what's going to come out of something like hey do you want to work with me on a project and you Uh being open-minded enough to be like hey let's try something that's That's very true (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've never thought about it like that. I think being a little bit impulsive puts you in situations. <laughs> and having the open-mindedness to pursue whatever comes out of it mm-hmm. might lead to good things. So you should always have a combination yeah. of both? See, in the, la- in the last podcast, I don't think we came to any conclusions, which was at least some of the feedback that I got. Uh-huh. And I think we're finally coming to those con- those conclusions in this podcast, which was answering how can we create those most meaningful conversations? And we'll be keyed in on right now is open-mindedness, right? Yeah.
we end it. That's let's oh, finish it. Let's finish it and then end it. So open mindedness. Let's wrap it all up about open mindedness and, and end it. Let's think about one last thing to discuss. I think we covered it all. Yeah? Yeah. Let's. How about be like, we urge you to have those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we talked a lot about open being open-minded and engaging in conversations with all sorts of people, not just those around you, but also strangers. So we would like to urge people to be more open-minded and talk to someone that you would never would um, that you normally wouldn't talk to and you might be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Or to talk to people that you always talk to and try to have a different conversation with them than the one that you normally would Mm -hmm. and let us know how that goes. Yeah. And we also wanted to ask or more feedback in terms of how this podcast has influenced the way you think and um, just any thoughts you have on the topics we discuss. Yeah, uh, feel free to leave us a comment on iTunes for the or podcast just or just message, message us. Because you probably know us. Yep, yep. <laughs> and if you don't, definitely look us up and message us because I'll be really curious to see who actually listens to this. Yeah, I would be honored. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think... We've finished up episode two. I think it's safe to say we might have a third one now. Yeah, I think so. And depending on your feedback, we'll we'll shape that third episode accordingly. Exactly. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.